Welcome to Six in the City, the podcast where six twenty-somethings talk about shit, and some of them live in cities. I'm Jen. I'm Lexi. I'm Nancy. I'm Elena. I'm Jane. And I'm Robin. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to today's episode. I'm Nancy, hosting, and we have here Jane, Robin, and Jen. And today's episode will be on Cocology, if I am pronouncing that correctly. How I discovered Cocology was actually with Elena, who sadly isn't with us today, but is in our memories. She's not dead or anything. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. (laughs) Elena and I I discovered Cocology, like going into our junior year randomly. I don't remember, but essentially it's a bunch of guided questions that your answers are supposed to, if you believe it or not, supposed to like interpret something about your psyche or your your spirit i'm going to quote wikipedia on this but it's saying that kokology is the study of kokoro which is the aforementioned uh japanese meaning for mind or spirit the kokology book series was created by tarahiko nagao and isamu isamu saito um, and they're professors of universities in japan and they actually have apparently best-selling books on relationships and psychology. So they're, what they, in the book, there's a bunch of these series of psychological and hypothetical questions that when you answer, it's supposed to give you like, it's supposed to be like revealing your hidden like attitudes about sex, family, love, work, and other elements of one's life. So to me, it's very Freudian. So, but for us, whether if you believe it or not, it'll just be a fun way to discover to see if first of all if you guys would believe if it was if I like as I'm explaining these things if you think it's true or not but just to have fun these different scenarios have different names so I'm gonna do this one um this one's called a desert journey so Wait, should um, we I'm keep gonna, track of our own answers yes keep track of your own answers and then I when we're done I'm going to give you let you guys know what the meaning of it means and we can talk about it you're riding a camel in a desert you really feel tired and exhausted. What will you say to the camel who has been with you all throughout your journey in the desert? Yeah, what would I you would say? I would say, thank you, buddy. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Keep going. I don't think I would say anything. <laughs> I feel like, Pat, Pat, thank you, camel. So, Jen, you're saying that you won't say anything. I would talk to myself, but it wouldn't be directed to the camel. I'd be okay, cursing. So what would- I'd be like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> Okay, what if, okay, so like, what if you are the camel? What will you say to the camel who has been with you all throughout your journey in the desert? I think you should say something, but if you really don't want okay. to say anything, you know, oh. but what, what will you say? Fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> like, fuck our lives together. Like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number two. You are really thirsty. Luckily, you see an oasis, but you are surprised to see that someone has arrived before you. Who are they? And this should be a person that you know. I don't know why, but my brother was the first person to come to mind. So I'll just okay. say my brother. Call, don't call overthink her, it. My roommate. Okay. Okay. Good answer. So, number three. Finally, your destination is already in sight. How do you feel now? Relieved. Uh-huh. Me too. Me too. Yeah, okay. Fuck. And then the fourth one, the last one, you have to leave the camel now since you already reached your destination. Another person will now ride the camel. Who is this person? Nancy. My brother. Okay. Okay. Connor. (laughs) 
Okay. Wait, are you guys just <laughs> do you guys truly mean it? Or are you guys just saying like copying the person? No, I create a story in my brain right now. Okay. Exactly. With you and the camel, like it's all coming yeah. together. Okay. <laughs> in the context of all the other questions, this would make sense to me. Okay. Yeah. Me yeah. Okay, now I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you guys know. Okay. The desert and camel theme symbolizes the journey towards personal independence. Specifically, this scenario reveals your feelings about parting with a lover. Your answers show how you might react when the time comes to go your separate ways. So the meaning of the answer to item number one, uh, the words you spoke to the camel reveal what you might say to yourself when you realize love has been lost. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. So I mean, it makes sense, Jen. Fuck. Jane and Robin were like, thank you. <laughs> you did good, <laughs> buddy. Thank you, next. Oh, wait, wait, that's so funny. Um, oh, my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> number two was, the person you encountered here could be someone who has helped or comforted you in the past or one you might turn to in times of need. Oh, Connor. Uh, Nancy. Yay. Not my brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's the team. Old naked man. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, wait, that Jane really so feels funny. comfort in an old naked man there, but no judgment. <laughs> uh, number three, your feelings upon reaching the town are your true feelings about finally getting over a lost love. So you all said relieved. <laughs> and <fuck>. then the, <laughs> the last one, the new writer is a person toward whom you feel a secret rivalry, jealousy, or resentment towards. So Jen, do you have any anything you want to say to me? Let's fight. <laughs> That's but so yeah, interesting. Now, now you guys kind of have an idea. Um, what are your thoughts on on this? That was fun. That was yeah. interesting. It was like not at all what I thought. But yeah. I didn't imagine it would be like a lover past mm. love kind of situation and that's the whole point it's like you're not supposed to know because right. it may sway you. it's supposed to be like literally like your deepest psyche you know like what yeah. you're supposed to know okay so i will do the next one i'll play with you guys this time because i'm Yay. gonna find a scenario answer Yay. um okay so this one's called the bluebird so one day a bluebird suddenly flew to the window of your room and was trapped you got attracted to this bird so that's why you kept it the next day, you were surprised to see. To it. I, I think. I think what they mean. I think this person is translating it from the Japanese one, and oh. it's like literally like Google translated. Um, so I think they mean like you like the bird, so oh, okay. um, so you keep it. The next day, you were surprised to see that the bird turned into the color yellow. On the third day, it became red, and on the fourth day, it became black. What color is the bird when you woke up on the fifth day? It stays black. It turns back to its original blue, it turns white, or it turns into a golden color. White. Okay. I said white too. Well, I was going to say white, but <laughs> I don't want to copy everyone. So I'll say I gold. mean, it, okay. Well, I was going to say white. gold. If you want to, I think if, yeah, if you were going to say white. Okay. So we have three whites and one gold. So The bird that flew into your room seemed like a symbol of good fortune, but suddenly it changed color, making you worry that happiness would not last. Your reaction to the situation shows how you respond to difficulties and uncertainties in real life. So those who have said that the bird stays black have a pessimistic outlook, which no one here was. 
Those who said that the bird turns blue again are practical optimists. Now, those who said that the bird turns white, which is Jen, Jane, and Robin, are cool and decisive under pressure. Um, and those who said the bird turns golden can be described as fearless. White is indecisive? No, white is cool and decisive and hmm. decisive under pressure. Interesting. I Would you guys like agree? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I mean, that's decisive. <laughs> We're, I feel like this bunch is notoriously indecisive. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Nancy, what was your color? Uh, gold, and it meant fearless. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a, I'm a scaredy cat. What's the reason you guys chose your colors? I like gold. Oh, okay. I thought like, a go- wow, a gold bird. <laughs> Unique. I don't know. I just imagine like a white dove. Mm. I didn't want it to change back to a same color. Mm. Me too. Okay. This one is called a night at the symphony. And it seems like it's also a multiple choice one. I love multiple choice. Oh, sorry. No worries. So there's something magical about a night at the symphony, a sense of expectation and pure pleasure. Imagine Ooh. being able to take again. I think they're translating it directly from the Japanese one. So I a think little, some, a little some sexy. Meaning, yeah, <laughs> some, some meaning might be lost here. Um, imagine being able to take a place on that stage among the other musicians, a once in a lifetime chance to perform at your very best. If you could join the orchestra, what instrument do you see yourself playing? There's four options: the violin, a string bass, trumpet, or the flute. The flute. Violin. Oh. Well, I played the flute for real, so me too. Was gonna I played the violin. (laughs) Look at us. But I, because of that, I wanna, I wanna play the trumpet. Okay, I actually played the clarinet. Um, Yes, let's get it. Band for life. I'm choosing violin. (laughs) I hate woodwinds. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, musical instruments are symbolic of members of the opposite sex. The pairing of you and your instrument shows how you perceive yourself in making the music of love. Oh my goodness, it is sexy. (laughs) Music of love. Um, The instrument you chose gives insight into what you think of as your strongest lovemaking technique. (laughs) Wow, Wow, this is spicy. (laughs) Okay, okay. So the violin. The violin demands... Sensitive finger work and a delicate touch <laughs> with the bow to draw forth the music from the taut strings. You see yourself as having the same awareness and skill in locating and playing upon your partner's most sensitive points. There's a sense of adventure in the way your hands why? can create such beautiful music by running over the same familiar notes. Why is this so long? Okay, Wait, I like, feel so violated right now. So the string bass, which no one here chose. There's a feeling of power gone from taking position behind an enormous bass and making it call out in a <laughs> tremendous moon. Oh, sorry. Tremendous moan. <laughs> in, oh. in, in love, your skills rest in the ability to bend your partners to your will, taking complete control and driving them onwards to pleasure they never imagined they could experience. You never ask permission, but that dominating character is what makes you so irresistible. I hope there's at least consent. If Wow, so this okay. person likes control. They yeah, like this being person the is dom. the dominant. Yeah, yeah. Trumpet. There's no getting around it. Your mouth is the strongest weapon oh. in your arsenal. 
Whether it's whispering love talk in your partner's ear or exploring them with your lips, you have all the characteristics of the oral personality. Mm. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Flute. The flute demand incredible patience from those who want to master it. You show the same patience in the way you wear down your partners with persistence, determination, and stamina. Your lovers are often taken off guard when what they thought would be a brief recital quickly develops into Whoa. a whole concerto in six movements. Oh, wow. okay, Jen, you have stamina. Oh, is that what it, is that what it means? I was like, is this a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can last a long time. <laughs> that went a lot more in depth than I thought. Yeah, I know. Right. I'm not ready for that. So this one's called "Where the Sky Meets the Sea," and. Aww. There are breathtaking mountain visas, sweeping metropolitan skylines, rugged tracts of forest that stretch as far as the eye can see, and gentle country landscapes dotted with fields and farms. But of all the scenic views in the world, none can stir the imagination and calm the soul like the unbroken line where the sky meets the sea. That blue horizon in a vast space, inviting the mind to relax and unwind, to soar above and drive within to dream. You are staying at a resort hotel with an ocean view. Lying in your bed, you gaze out a huge bay window across the cool blue waters and lulled by the scene, you drift off to sleep. Which of the following greets you when you awake? So the first one, a bright midday sun burning over the sea, the dark ocean sleeping beneath a starry night sky, three, a cool mist rolling in over the waters, or four, the sun just beginning to sink beneath the horizon at dusk. The sunset, sun, the sunset. Yeah, the last one. That's a sunset, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sunset. I want the starry night. Starry night. I will also choose the sun setting, the last one. In myths and ancient religions from around the world, the sea and the sky are pictured as an eternal couple forever holding each other in a loving embrace. The way you envisage the scene out uh, your hotel room window is your vision of the ideal relationship between two loving partners and shows the things you seek most from love. So a bright midday sun burning over the sea, which none of us chose, is passionate excitement and intensity are essential to your ideal romance. For you, love isn't true love if it doesn't burn like fire. And if that means added danger, it always proves worth the risk in the end. The dark ocean sleeping beneath the starry night sky. So this is Robin. Um, Others may think you're a little hokey or old fashioned, but you place the greatest emphasis on things like commitment and faithful devotion in a relationship. Your love affairs may not set the sky ablaze, but they will never cause you any sleepless nights either. And when other loved ones and when others' loves have caught it over or burst into flames, you will still be enjoying those nights of untroubled sleep together. Aww. Aww. Nice. Yeah. A cool mist rolling in over the waters, which uh, none of us chose here. The line between friendship and love is blurred for you. The two inevitably flow into each other. Your perfect relationship is with someone you can tell your secrets to, share laughter and tears with, and just relax and be yourself around. You refuse to believe that your lover can't also be your best friend. And the last one, the sun just beginning to sink beneath the horizon at dusk, which was everyone else here. You seek a storybook romance that inspires the world with its picture postcard perfection. I think it means, yeah, picture perfect. Uh, (laughs) Everything. Everything has to be just right from the meeting to the first kiss to the place settings of the wedding to the house with the white picket fence. True love uh, is a once in a lifetime experience and you see no reason to settle for less than the very best. So it isn't every day that you have the time to take a leisurely stroll around the neighborhood. 
a stroll without purpose or destination, a chance to stretch your legs, let the mind wander and get reacquainted with some old familiar sights. On your way, perhaps you stop in at a cozy coffee shop, explore the paths of a favorite park, or take the opportunity to do some window shopping. Then there are those days when it's enough just to let your feet decide your course. Picture yourself on a stroll through town. The day is beautiful and you're half lost in a daydream. You turn into a street that you've never been down before. And as you walk, you pass a beautiful house, set someone back from the street. Pausing a moment to admire the lovely home, you notice the door is half open. Why is the door ajar? This one has three options. The house is being burglarized. The owner forgot to close it. Or the owner is inside sweeping out the entranceway. Last the last one. one. Last one. The same. <laughs> why would you? Why is the, it's so we extreme? All, we all want to avoid conflict. Right. <laughs> okay. Doors have a twofold significance. There may be passageways, but they can also be barriers as well. In particular, the front door of a house represents its first line of defense, all that stands between its inhabitants and the uncertainties of the world outside. By imagining an open door that should normally be closed, you envision a scenario or vulnerability and exposure. On a subconscious level, the reason you imagine the door being open is linked to the ways that you leave yourself open and expose your own weaknesses to others. So the house is being burglarized. You instantly assume the worst in any situation, and this trait is nowhere more evident than when things actually do go wrong. You never get flustered in a crisis, but only because you're much too busy panicking. So the next time disaster strikes, it's important to keep a clear head and remember to take a few deep breaths and count to 10. Then you can faint. (laughs) What? Oh, no. (laughs) The owner forgot to close it. You aren't the type to get carried away in crisis situations. On the contrary, you're so relaxed that you may not notice a crisis is occurring at all. Mistakes you make are caused more by oversight than bad intentions, but the end results for you and for people around you are the same. And then the owner is inside sweeping out the entranceway. You may appear to be a laid back sort, but you never let your guard down. Achieving the constant state of relaxed alertness is what has made you into the mature individual you are. Of course, you still have your own human weaknesses. You just don't put them on display for all the world to see. Nice. Would you guys agree? I think out of those three, I can pick that last one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I had to choose, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is the big blow up. Um, An erupting volcano is one of the most awesome displays of nature's fury, belching forth hot lava and poisonous smoke that you can reduce the surrounding landscape to gray ash. The destruction it brings overwhelms everything in its path, and it's easy to understand how ancient civilizations civilizations could have regarded volcanoes as signs of the anger of the gods. Even today's volcanoes seem to be sending us a not-so-subtle message about our place in the grand scheme of things. You are standing within view of an erupting volcano, which of the following best describes your thoughts while watching the spectacle. There's four options, and I'm saying this as if you are thinking this. So the first one, maybe this is nature's way of warning us to stop destroying the earth. Two, I guess the pressure just got too too high inside there. Three, wow, what a sight. I'm impressed. Four, it's in the nature of these things to blow up. Big deal. Three. One's first. I would say probably one. Okay. How about you? I would say two. The pressure got high inside. And Jane said one. Jane said three. Wow, what a sight. And Robin said Robin. Robin said one. Okay. No one said no one said four, right? Okay. So the thoughts you had about the volcano are linked to the way you react to explosive power. 
specifically the anger of a superior. We've all run into a boss, teacher, coach, or parent who throws the occasional tantrum. This scenario shows you how you deal with these blowups. So number one, which is uh, Robin and Jen, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe this is nature's way of warning us to stop destroying the earth. What this means is you recognize when you're responsible for other people's anger and are willing to accept the blame. That same sensitivity and adult attitude lets you clear up any problems you might have caused. Number two, I guess the pressure just got too high inside there was what I chose. And it means you place the blame of any problem squarely on someone else's shoulder. After all, if, <laughs> if you thought you were doing something wrong, you shouldn't have done it in the first place, right? <laughs> Number three, wow, what a sight. I'm impressed. And that's Jane. You accept criticism and even outbursts in a positive way, but that's not to say you take them lightly. That sunny mm. outlook is sure to make a favorable impression as superiors in the long run after they've forgotten whatever it was you, they were yelling at you for. And then the last one, it's in the nature of these things to blow up big deal. Strong words, tirades, and harsh critiques leave you unimpressed, probably because you don't listen to them. Sure, there's a low-stress way to get through a chewing out, but you're running the risk of never learning from your own mistakes. Maybe you should start paying a little more attention to all the sound and fury. It might be signifying something after all. Arts and craft class is almost a rite of passage in our society, a grilling test to the human spirit in which young and Young initiates strive to force rubber cement, pipe cleaners, modeling clay, and paper mache to bend to their will. A few of us can claim to have managed to avoid the experience of creating an object, be it ceramic mask, napkin holder, or the obligatory ashtray, only to be confronted by an empty expanse demanding that you do something, anything to decorate it. A plain white coffee mug of your own design sits ready for the kiln and an ism staring at you in blank anticipation. You have chosen to use blue glaze. Now, if only you could decide on the pattern, which of the following patterns do you decide to paint in blue on the mug? So there's four. Stripes, polka dots, checks, or wavy lines? Polka dots. Checkers? None of them. (laughs) You have to choose. Yeah, can you say say them again? Yeah, so stripes, polka dots, checks, or wavy lines. I don't think it's checkers. I think it's like check marks. So we have stripes from Jane. Polka dots. Polka dots from Jen. Wavy lines. Wavy lines from Robin. And I also choose wavy lines. So blue is the color most deeply associated with the inner workings of the mind, from imagination to intuition to intellect. The white surface of your coffee mug provides a blank slate and give your mind free reign to express itself in the most comfortable, natural way. In this sense, the pattern you selected reflects the structure and strengths of your mind in its approach to creativity and problem solving. So stripes for Jane, you favor a direct and clear-cut approach, making you a keen decision maker, able to resolve problems and put plans into action instantly. It's only natural that the people perceive you as a leader and pillar of strength in difficult times. We all instantly were nodding our head. Right. It is, uh, yeah. It's a lack of creativity for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the Uh, clear need for direction. Right. It's it's straightforward. Structure. Straight to the point. Um, polka dots for Jen, your strength lies in the adaptive artistic nature of your mind. This may make you appear to be a little offbeat, perhaps even eccentric to some, but you make a real contribution to the world as a creator with a unique vision. What a yeah. backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> means, Jen, it means you're quirky. Yeah, you're eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you. <laughs> I'm not the one writing this, okay? I'm <laughs> reading it. <laughs> so, Chucks, none of us here. You excel at mastering the demands of the everyday, but in no way does that make you average or ordinary. Few people are able to organize their lives with such quiet efficiency. And the result of your efforts is that you always seem to have the time, wealth, and compassion to share with those in need. Um, and then wavy lines for Robin and I, your gift is in generating an atmosphere in which it's easy and comfortable to feel and express love. It's not that you crave attention or affection, but people just naturally feel good about taking care of and supporting you. And all that goodwill has a ripple effect, touching the lives of those around you in subtle ways. Ask the people who know and love you, the world is a better place for you being in it. This one was so Aww. accurate. Yeah, this one was pretty accurate. Yeah. Great. I like this one. This one was nice. Yeah. This one's called Look Out Below. So keeping plants offers us the chance to give without any promise of reciprocation, gratitude, or reward. It's true that they ask for a little, just some water and sunlight, but in a material sense, they give even less in return. Nonetheless, houseplants enjoy a popularity that seems out of proportion to any decorative function they might perform. Perhaps we keep them because they feel a very human need, the need to be needed. A potted plant you've been trying to keep on your balcony falls over the ledge it was sitting on. You run outside to survey the damage. What do you see? So there's four options. Number one, the plant landed in the ground upright and intact. Number two, the pot broke, but the plant seems to have survived the fall. Number three, the pot and plant are both smashed beyond recovery. Number four, for some strange reason, there's no sign of either pot or plant. What the fuck? <laughs> two. Yeah, I would say two. Two. Same. Two. Same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the sheltered life of a potted plant corresponds to a hidden garden side of your character and the ways you try to keep the world from penetrating your social mask. It's very interesting. So the first one, the plant landed on the ground upright and intact. You appear to be strong and confident or always eager to demonstrate your coolness under fire, but beneath that tough facade is a person more concerned with keeping up an image than, than actually living it. Oh my goodness. The pot broke, but the plant seems to have survived the fall, which is all of us here. You seem calm and unflapp unflappable to others but the reality is you just hate to show your emotions those pent-up feelings within you just keep growing and growing and no pot can hold them in forever the pot and plant are both smashed beyond recovery you seem to be soft-spoken and self-effacing but that natural listener is crying out for a chance to shine center stage you're only waiting for an opportunity to break out of the self-imposed mold that confines you it's also pretty sad hmm and then number four, for some strange reason, there is no sign of either plant or pot. You excel at generating excitement and making others laugh and people see you as the life of the party, even when there's no party in town. But that glib exterior hides a seriousness and even a shy side that you choose not to show the rest of the world. They say that police develop a sixth sense about criminal mind and each of us have a little bit of that criminal mind inside, which is why the police can never afford to be off duty. If you were a cop, how do you think you'd handle the pressure of the beat? So you're in hot pursuit of a suspect fleeing a crime scene. Jen is giving us a visual demo right now. <laughs> After a long chase, you finally managed to run him down and make the arrest. You're standing over him with your pistol in his face. Busted. What does the suspect <laughs> say to you as he stares down the barrel of your gun? Wait, is this multiple choice? No, this is what oh. does he say? Bust. So for me, said busted. Wait, no, 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 it's just the, the scenario. It's like, oh, busted this guy. Oh, God, I gotcha. So yeah. what do we say? to the? No, what does the suspect say to you as he stares down the barrel of your gun? 
So damn it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Damn, bro. <laughs> okay. Um, bro. Bro. Mine would say, I didn't do it. Okay, so what did the corner crook have to say for himself? Although you were imagining yourself as a police officer, your own hidden tendencies came out in the criminal words. In the game of cops and robbers, it's the robbers who have to come up with excuses as the cops haul them off to jail. The way you imagine him responding gives an idea of how you react when your parents caught you doing something bad. And if you're like most people, it's how you continue to behave today. (laughs) I didn't didn't do it. (laughs) I do say that. (laughs) Jane, can you imagine Jane to her parents? Damn, bro. (laughs) Little Jen just like, fuck. So this one is called On Your Birthday. So your birthday is the one day a year where you're justified in expecting things to be just a little nicer than usual. Well wishes and congratulations, presents and cards, maybe even a party or romantic dinner for two. It's your birthday today. And when you check your mailbox, you see you've gotten a card from someone you would have never expected. Who is the sender? You also have received a number of gifts from family and friends of that group who sent you the biggest package. Give the names of people in your life when answering the quiz. Okay, so you have it has to be people you know, actually you know personally. The first one is someone you never expected sent you a birthday card. Who was it? And the second question, of all the gifts you received, who gave you the biggest package? Like the biggest physical package, like a box. I guess, yeah. I would say an ex-friend that's who I'm surprised about. And the biggest package would be my parents. Mm. I would say my cousin, like any cousin, for the unexpected. And okay, my friend Michelle. Okay. I would say my ex for the first one mm-hmm. and my sister for the second. Mm. Uh, for me, I would say someone on the white side of my family <laughs> as an unexpected sender and then um the second one I'll say Nick so the responses you gave signify your true feelings about people in your life feelings you might not even be aware of yourself the person who unexpectedly sent you a card is actually someone you would like to care more about or give you more attention in short, the person you named as sender is someone you've been hesitant to approach or just a friend you haven't heard from a while. Maybe it's time you made the first move towards bridging that gap. Oh. On the surface... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> On the surface, you might associate the biggest package you've received with good feelings about the sender, but from a psychological perspective, the person you named as the sender is someone whose affection you take for granted. This doesn't necessarily signify a lack of respect, but you definitely feel confident of their feelings for you. Be careful not to get overconfident. What feels like security to you may look like plain selfishness to others. This one is called Postmarked the Future. Lounging around the house one Saturday afternoon, you are startled out of your reverie by the doorbell. When you open the door, you're greeted by a most unusual surprise. A pair of animal messengers have come to deliver news of your life of the future. But when you open their messages, you see they contain very little predictions of what lies in store for you. 
One of the animals has brought a letter for telling a life of happiness and contentment. The other prophecies only disaster and despair. Which of the animals below brought glad tidings and which an omen of doom? So there's five and you have to pick a different animal for each. So you pick two of the five. So the first one's a tiger. The second one's a dog. The third one's a sheep. The fourth one's a parrot. And the fifth one's a tortoise. So you have to pick one that gave you good news and one that gave you bad news. Dog, good news, parrot, bad news. Okay, I would say tiger for good and tortoise for bad. (laughs) Tortoise. I would also say similar to Jane, dog for good, but then similar to Jen, tortoise for bad. Mm. Yeah, fuck tortoise. (laughs) Wait, no, that's not why I chose them. But we'll oh. unpack that later. You go, <laughs> Um, Dog for good and tiger for bad. Oh, so there's a, there's oh. a mix. Yeah. I thought okay. you chosen tiger for good, but. I don't know. Let's see what it means. Okay. So for most people, the future is greatly influenced by their selection of a mate or life partner. The animal messengers in the scenario actually correspond to your own perceptions of the kinds of people likely to bring you joy and grief. Animals are rich and complex in psychological significance with a range of positive and negative attributes and associations. In this scenario, the animal you chose as the bearer of the message of happiness represents the type of person you perceive as an ideal spouse, while the doomsayer animal is a type you fear would drag you down into the depths. So each each one, I'm going to tell you what it means if you chose them for glad tidings or if you chose them for gloom and doom. So for the tiger, for glad tidings, you see yourself happiest with an ambitious and powerful mate possessed of an indomitable, indomitable will to rule. Whereas oh. for gloom and doom, which what I chose, you dread the, per- the prospect of a vain, tyrannical partner who struts around like a lord of the jungle and growls at any mention of sharing housework. Okay, so for dog, glad tidings, which is uh, Jane, Robin, and I. Unquestionable loyalty and absolute devotion are the things you seek most in your mate. Gloom and doom. You are utterly incompatible with those who try to please everyone and fret over what others might be thinking. Um, Outside people pleasers. Oh, yeah. Well, we, yeah, we don't like people pleasers. (laughs) Um, Well, I actually, well, I am a people pleaser, so... (laughs) But this is for an ideal okay. yeah, You didn't choose dog. Yeah, I was just saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we're not we're not in a relationship like that with you, Jen. <laughs> um, sheep for glad tidings, you see the key to contentment in a warm-hearted, nurturing spouse. Whereas for gloom and doom, you fear winding struck with a boring homebody, content to spend each day grazing the same old patch of grass. So parrot, was it Jane that says bad? Um So for glad tidings, nothing would suit you better than a talkative, fun-loving partner who knows how to make you laugh. Whereas for gloom and doom for Jane, no one can suit you worse than chattering layabout with a severe allergy to work. Wait, wait, Um, chattering what? Chattering layabout with a severe allergy to work. So I guess a lazy lazy person um, who just lays around. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so accurate. And then tortoise, I think Robin and Jen both said gloom and doom, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so for glad tidings, you match your match made in heaven is serious, dependable, and unsure to be there and sure to be there in your hour of need. 
whereas for gloom and doom for Robin and Jen, the prospect of a lifetime spent with a frustratingly slow-moving, slow-witted partner is your worst nightmare. So we have one last one that's a multiple choice with four options. It's called Who's Got the Buttons? So how do you make your choices when shopping for clothes? Are you lured by certain colors or patterns? Do some brands have the power to make you reach for your credit card? Or are you an invest in, or are you an inveterate bargain hunter who can't resist the chance to save 40% even if it's something you don't really want or need? Think of the clothes that are already in your closet. You may see patterns other than plate other than paisley tart tart tartan tartan and tartan and flower print begin to emerge specifically think of your favorite blouse or shirt now visualize the number of buttons on the front how many buttons are there and how do you keep them buttoned when you have the shirt on so you'll choose the nearest answer from the choice below so you're thinking of your favorite shirt blouse or shirt so number one like a dress shirt like a fancy shirt right it your favorite blouse or shirt doesn't say that it has to be fancy. It's just your favorite. So, top. Yeah. Number one, it has more than five buttons down the front and I buttoned them all. Number two, there are two or three buttons on the front and I buttoned them all. Number three, there is a row of buttons on the shirt and I leave one or two at the top unbuttoned. And number four, there are no buttons on the shirt. So you're choosing the nearest answer from the choice below. Four. Four, three, Jane's three, Robin, Jen, and I choose four. So few people consciously make button count a deciding factor when choosing their wardrobes, but as in most matters of taste, the subconscious plays an important role. There are many things in life that are uncontrollable, but there are also some in which we have the power of final say. Buttoning is one. Deciding how we spend our money is another. Both behaviors are ways of expressing one sense of freedom or control, and your buttoning habits actually reflect the way you handle your finances. Interesting. So number one, it has more than five (laughs) buttons down the front, and I buttoned them all. You are very conscientious with your money, never splurging or spending recklessly. Regardless of your income, you set a budget, follow it, and somehow manage to put something away as well. Some might call you tight, but you're on the straight and narrow paths to financial security. Number two, there are two or three buttons on the front and I buttoned them all. You take a middle of the road approach to managing your personal finances. You aren't afraid to spend on the things you want, but you don't like to throw away money uh, frivolously either. You're one of those rare people in control of and not controlled by their money. Number three, which is Jane. There is a row of buttons on the shirt and I leave one or two at the top unbuttoned. You have specific goals and invest every spare penny in them. On the other hand, you're a moderate spender in areas not directly related to realizing your dreams. That single-minded sense of purpose makes you a prime candidate for conversation or for conversion one day to the button-down look adopted by people who are used to getting what they want from the world. And then four, there are no buttons on the shirt. Robin, Jen, and I, your fiscal model is a penny saved is a penny wasted. You charge like a wounded bull and don't look back to survey the damage. Get used to the jeans and t-shirt look. If you keep up the pace, that might be all you're able to afford. Oh my God. I feel attacked. I feel seen. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, I hope the people listening found some validity in their responses. Yeah. And what they chose. I wonder how many people like agreed with us. Cause I feel like for most questions, we were all within the same, like two answers, Mm -hmm. but we're all pretty similar. 
right? So I wonder if anyone who's listening might be different. Yeah, let us know. And with that, thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. See you next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Six in the City. You can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Six in the City Pod. This episode was edited by Lexi with music brought to you by Gandira Patama. Thanks for listening.